Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Matt Kawahara, and our guest today is Tony Kemp. The utility man was just named the A's nominee for the prestigious Roberto Clemente Award, and he's been a consistent contributor for Oakland all season. He joins us to talk about his ongoing efforts with his Plus One Effect initiative, which he started last year to spark civil discourse about race and the Players Alliance, as well as the A's playoff push. That and more now on A's Plus. Tony, thanks a lot for uh, for joining us. And first of all, I mean. Um, Congratulations on the, the nomination for the Clemente Award, which is obviously a very prestigious award for MLB. Uh, second year in a row that you have been the A's nominee. What, uh, what, is that, what does that mean to you? What does that signify to you? Yeah, I mean, I was talking about it earlier, and you know, I feel like in my career and uh, dating back since college, you know, there's been a lot of accolades and a lot of awards, and the Roberto Clemente Award is number one for me. You know, just kind of shows you like what you do to give back the community and uh, it encompasses so many things, and yeah, just very blessed, very humble, just to be on the you know, same sentence as Roberto Clemente. It means a lot. I would say it covers a lot of ground, both with uh, on-field performance and then also just the, the uh, efforts that you put in off the field. Um, we've you know written in the past, and you've you've talked about the work that you do with uh, the Plus One Effect, which you started. Um, would you kind of just kind of tell us where that is right now and what you guys are kind of doing with uh, through the Plus One Effect at this point? Yeah, so it's just about having a conversation about race uh, with someone who wants to learn and better themselves about the about the topic. And um, yeah, like I said, the Plus One has exceeded all expectations that I've even you know once it started to being. I knew it was a big deal once I. Uh, did my interview with the New York Times and then um, man it's just it's still ongoing you know people are still asking questions in my DMs about race to this day and you know I think it's it's good to keep the conversation going I didn't I didn't want it to just be a hot topic because it's it's more than that so uh, it's still it's still continuous it's still in a, a work of progress of you know everybody trying to better themselves to take a step out of their shoes and see if they could live in someone else's shoes and see how they feel and uh, the plus one effect's all about having conversations with someone else and in a positive way to where you could spread awareness and spread positivity through um, you know other people and how they feel about race so it's been good what would you say is kind of um, what you're working toward with that obviously you're, you're sort of balancing this right now between doing that and, and uh, the responsibilities that um, that go into you know playing a baseball season um, but is there an end goal for for that uh, that project yeah I, I i i hope that there's not an end goal because then that means the work's done uh yeah i think it's just going to be one of those things that um is just continuous um i don't see an end goal in it i see it as a you know i think it's going to be one of those things to where I, you know the customized cleats that i have it, it's going to be always on my cleats just you know you never know uh when someone might look it up i get asked all the time when i'm on deck what the plus one effect is and if uh it's it's usually from an older crowd uh but i've heard a couple people younger crowd kind of knows what the plus one effect is and 
I think the coolest thing is to walk around to different stadiums. And uh, we were in Detroit. There's three or four fans that had the plus one effect shirt on. And I was like, wow, that's that's huge. So um, the reach is the reach is huge. And so, um, you know, like I said, it exceeded all the expectations I had when I started it. I was gonna say you see the shirts quite a bit. I mean, not only in Oakland, but yeah, like you oh, said, wow. you see them yeah. on the road. Um, for for you, what has been maybe the um, I guess to this point, the most rewarding part of, of doing that whole thing? Well, I'll say there was a time when we were playing the Giants um, this season, and after one of the day games that we won, um, a fan came up to me and said, hey, I would just love to, you know, shake your hand for everything that you've done. Um, you know, I, I, he's like, I can't believe I'm actually talking to you right now. Um, he was like, but I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done on the uh, off the field um, with all the conversations that's been going on and I was kind of thinking I was like man I wonder if I wonder how long the line would be if every person could say that to me or to my wife or to you know this initiative and you know the line I think would be pretty pretty freaking long so um, yeah and the initiative part of it is you know the shirts is fundraising um, where, where do the funds go to what, what are you guys um, doing with with the funds that are raised through the post yeah so uh we've actually kind of switched it up it was going to gideon's army in nashville and then we sw- we were going to switch it to a um there was a positive coaching thing that we're actually working out with san francisco right now to figure out um if we can start having the money go to like uh more of a community that's toward oakland so uh, it's actually been donated. The proceeds have been going to a bunch of different organizations. So uh, we got we got to iron a little more things out. But um, I wish it was black and white as as it could be. But it's it's, it's not like that. You got to figure out um, who you're gonna get it through. The 501c and there's a lot that goes into it. But I wouldn't change it for anything. When you think through sort of some of the conversations and the interactions that you've had with people just through this, um, and obviously a, a big reason for doing this was to kind of like you say, generate a dialogue, but also kind of open other people's eyes. Have, have there been any talks that have sort of been eye-opening for you too, or like expanded sort of your um, horizons and stuff? Like? Yeah, I think I think the coolest thing about the initiative is how much I've learned of just like, you know, you, you can never stop learning. You know, you don't know everything in the world. And I think the, the one conversation that stuck with me was, um, you know, a woman was talking about how could she help and she was a white suburban mom in an area that you know she wasn't around many people of color and uh you know I just told her it starts with their inner circle and you know go from there and that that conversation kind of stuck with me because I learned that you know even though you're not around it you know you still can people who are making fun of it or people who are talking bad about it you know you're gonna have to be the one that steps up and you know I told people that you might lose friends talking about it but you know what I mean like you know, at least you're bettering, um, you know, yourself. And, you know, you said your honest truth. And uh, at the end of the day, I've lost a couple of friends through it, too. And, you know, that's a part of growing up, though. You're not going to you're not going to agree with everybody. So uh, but it's been going well. Yeah. Um, you're also uh, involved in, in the Players Alliance, which uh, has done a lot of work yeah. um, to grow uh, baseball in underserved communities and communities where baseball maybe isn't as popular or isn't as accessible. Yeah. Um, where how much I guess, how would you describe or, or um, qualify the efforts that, that that organization has done and sort of what progress has been made there? Oh, man, I mean, I think MLB and the Players Alliance just agreed to $10 million a year, some type of donation for the next five years or something like that. I mean, or next 10 years, I think. Uh, but, yeah, that just goes to show you how much 
guys like Curtis Granderson, CC Sabathia, uh, Edwin Jackson, how much those guys really care about growing the game, especially with you know in the black community and being able to provide these uh, you know pieces of equipment to people who maybe can't afford it. And you know, I think one thing that stuck with stuck with me is I was talking with Curtis Granderson. He said. You know, there's going to come a time where there's going to be a black kid in the community that gets a piece of, like, a, a glove or a bat or some cleats, and he's going to make it to the big leagues, and he's going to say, I remember at the pull-up tour when I got my first pair, and, you know, and that, even if it's one person, like, that's what it's all about is, like, giving back in that way, and uh, to be a part of it's awesome. I get to talk to all these guys who have uh, obviously had great successes in the game and also talk to them, you know, through uh, Instagram messages been able to talk to CC about the mental side and the adversities of baseball and how you deal with the stresses and uh, all these different things that you know it's you know it's almost like killing two birds with one stone it almost feels like and uh, yeah they've done a lot for the game and I you know it's not over yet one thing that you did I know was uh, I think address was a local little league team or just like some uh, little league athletes like, yeah I know that Aza had mentioned that what did you uh, what was your message or what did you say so I uh, got a picture and they said, hey, our team name is the plus one effect. And I was like, man, that is so freaking cool. Like, um, you know, to have a to have a sponsor to be able to do that. And it's I can't even put into words how cool it is. And, you know, people might think it's like a lot of work or it's, you have to do this. And honestly, like my agency's helped me out with so much of it. Um, the Ballinger groups have been they're out of Dallas. They've been tremendous in helping me do all this stuff. My wife's been, you know, tremendous and. Because, uh, you know, there's a certain line where you have to kind of cut it off and say, hey, I'm at the field, I need to concentrate on this. And uh, But honestly, like, people ask me about it, and I said, man, it, giving back, honestly, feels natu- natural. It feels like, not that it has to be done, but it's just like, yeah, I feel like you only you have this platform. You don't have this platform forever, you know, so why not capitalize on helping people who can't really help you back, right? So. Was that the plus one effect team? Was that a Bay Area based team, or was that from someplace else? The plus one effect, they they were in Tennessee. They were in Tennessee, yeah, yeah. which is where you're from, which Franklin. Where I'm from, yeah. yeah, and I know that uh, I think the Franklin School District kind of shouted you out, also. Yeah, <laughs> the FSSD, the best school district in Tennessee. We'll be right back with more with Tony Camp after this. And remember, you can access all of our A's coverage and more with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Go to sfchronicle.com/pod. That's sfchronicle.com slash pod. When you, uh, when you were growing up, did baseball always feel pretty accessible to you? Or did, what was your route into this sport, I guess? My, definitely my brother. Yeah. Uh, I was just the little brother that followed Big Brother around. And he played basketball. I played basketball, baseball. We played three, we played three sports for the longest time. I played three sports up until my sophomore year of high school. And then... Um, baseball was kind of like, okay, I'm not going to go to the NBA. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to, you know, be a running back in the NFL. Like, uh, so I think that ba- I kind of gravitated toward baseball more because I feel like I saw more of a future in it. And then once I signed to Vandy, I was like, okay, I think that there's a pretty good chance that, you know, I could make some of this. So. Now here we are. And your brother's still an influence. I mean, you referenced him earlier yeah. this season with uh, one of the home runs that you had, yeah. I think it was against the Yankees. Yeah, he uh, he wants to get into coaching one day. He's got three kids, so he's trying to figure out when he could do that. But uh, right now he's coaching his son's Little League team, so uh, he's enjoying it. But he's, he's he knows a lot about the game. He's very knowledgeable, and you know, be able to bounce stuff off him is pretty cool still. 
Well, uh, just to shift gears a little bit, I mean, uh, you guys are obviously in the, in the midst of a, uh, a playoff push here coming in the last few weeks of the season. Uh, how the, the last several weeks, I guess, or maybe month or so, probably hasn't gone as you guys would have hoped coming to the yeah. end here, but how would you sort of describe where you guys are right now? Yeah, I think, I mean, no doubt about it, we definitely could be in a better spot, but I think, you know, we've kind of put ourselves in a place of we need to win and nothing else matters. And how many games are left? I want to say 18 at this point. 18 games left? 18 games left. Got to go 18-0. That's kind of how it is. But, no, you can't get it. Can't get too ahead of yourself. You just got to go 1-0. And and, um, I think the the good thing about it is is the clubhouse morale is still the same. And uh, people – you have a certain respect for this game because you know how hard it is and you know you're playing at the highest level and uh you know things aren't always going to go your way we're still human and uh the, the thing about uh today is is it's brand new and it, we have a fresh nine today so uh hopefully we can get some runs and get a win when you look around do you see the same amount of confidence as maybe like a month ago or two months ago or at the beginning of the season from this game yeah i honestly think it's you know if it's if it's not high right now then it's it's pretty much the same i think you know, there's a lot of guys who have been in that playoff atmosphere and, you know, know what it takes to get there. So there's no surprise in, in that regard. I just think that, um, you know, baseball's ugly. It's ugly and it's beautiful at the same time. Uh, when you look at your season, um, I, we, I think we talked back in Seattle in something like May or June. Um, and Colorado? Might have been Colorado. And you'd had a, a, a really good kind of stretch uh, to bring your on-base percentage up and you said something like coming into the season you really made a focus on looking for a certain pitch I mean and kind of selling out for that pitch and just not trying to be defensive when you're at the plate for sure is that something that you've continued throughout the year because looking at the on-base percentage that you've compiled over the course of the year it's aside from a little bit of a lull mid-season it has stayed pretty strong I think just talking with Talking with approach and t- talking with Jed Lowry, I mean, we pretty much have the same approach. And, you know, I I never like to really get off the fastball. Um, you know, if a guy wants to sit up there and throw me three or four off-speed pitches and get himself in a disadvantage count and then have to throw a fastball, that's kind of when I take advantage. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing this year is just being able to get your pitch and don't miss it. Um, and just being confident in yourself and, you know, this is the most volume I've got in my big league career, and I feel like I've felt like this is what the production that I could give if I was given a certain amount of time, you know, to get every day at bats or to get at bats, you know, more than just, you know, two starts a week. And, you know, even in the role I'm in now, I, I just think that, you know, people are whatever it is. I know how good I am. <laughs> I just know that given the volume, I know that, um, you know, something like a year like this could happen. When you say that, like, you and, and uh, Jed Lowry, like, you have a similar approach, yeah. does that mean you're similar hitters, or can different types of hitters have, a, like, a similar approach? Yeah, uh, a, every hitter has a different approach, but, um, you know, it's, it's the cliche, all right, sit fastball and adjust off speed, and you always hear that approach, and, you know, talking with Jed, that was one of the things that he was, like, just picking his brain in spring training, hey, man, what's your approach, what do you look for, and... He's like, I mean, I've always just always sat on a heater and adjusted off speed because that is the going back to the drawing board. I mean, if you're geared up for 98 and he throws 88. You're going to be ready for the 88. But if you're geared up for 88 and he throws 98, you're not going to touch it. So um, I feel like just having that approach, keeping it simple, hitting the positive top part of the baseball. And, you know, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I feel like just being able to keep things simple has been the, the, the best thing for me.
Does it make more sense to do that now, even uh, just because of the way that velocity plays right now yeah. in the major league? Just because you see fast, like oh everybody gosh. throws mid to high oh nineties. Oh my gosh! So. Yeah, I think the, I think the biggest jump, um, yeah, just being able to handle velocity. But I mean, I think everybody can kind of go and look at the data of what hitters had to go through with the sticky stuff and. You know, you see people's spin rates falling, and you, it, you just have to understand that when you're hitting and these heaters are a spin rate of almost 3,000, it's like it almost would look like if the ball was coming out at his shoelaces and ending up at your chest. Like the perceived velocity and the perceived um, extension is just ridiculous. So now to see what the numbers have been um, in dealing with all that stuff, now I feel like now you're seeing the home runs now you're seeing like okay we're these hitters not aren't as bad as we thought they were you know it's it's um i feel like it's finally getting back to that true uh that true baseball you know people are getting checked and um yeah i think it's good for the game i mean we that seemed like such a it was a such a big story for like a the kind of few weeks leading up to it yeah. and then there was a just kind of swarm and, and then it seemed like it went away a little bit yeah but has there been a lasting effect from the hitters perspective oh yeah i mean if you i mean go look at everyone's numbers this year like it, it when these pitchers had these sticky stuff it was making like pitchers that you know maybe have like a five or six a year ago start you sticky stuff he's got a two or three you know and so um, you know, I'm sure you guys saw all the articles about spin rate and all that stuff and the decrease into the decline. And it's like, you know, that's why there's a high foul ball rate because you're when you're hitting and the guy has all like sticky stuff and he's throwing a heater and it looks like it's one place and you look down and it's not. It's, you know, it's so pretty much you you have to swing over fastballs and it was like what like but that's in you know to survive that era of just like the sticky stuff like you got to think about the hitters who couldn't survive that time and make that adjustment of all right a guy has a spin rate heater of 2800 my aiming point has to be here on a heater rather than here and you know all speed pitches were even better right like you guys are seeing this stuff so yeah i just feel like I feel like I'm happy that it's it's getting policed. I actually the the way that you describe that, I remember I specifically remember Matt Chapman on one of the early season zooms because we were still on Zoom with the players, um, describing it that way, where he had to learn to swing above where he thought a pitch was going to be, which that was a really eye opening thing. But I don't know how long that had been going on. Like how long yeah. had you had to hit like that? Well, I remember back in 2018 learning about it and learning about spin rate heaters because you know you get that one fastball you don't want to miss it right so that's why you'd see so many guys clip foul balls back behind them or back that way and it's because you know as that ball's coming in what the revolutions were able to do is just like it was able to pretty much rise up a little more than what you thought it was and obviously we're up here trying to hit a round ball round bat you know it's hard to do so um yeah i think it was back in 2018 is when I kind of first heard about it, and then that's when I started paying attention to uh, hitters or pitchers' RPM. So all of my, all our scouting reports, whenever we're going up to the plate, there's a spot that says fastball. What is his spin rate RPMs? And it's usually like a guy's 2,000. Like okay, that's a that's a pretty standard heater. But yeah. it's like 23, 24. Okay, then that means you have to kind of make sure you really concentrate on staying on top of the ball even more because 
you know, you stay on top of the ball even more, that's what kind of gives that swing path, you know, the direction that you want. Uh, the, the other thing that stood out, uh, at least in the first half for you, was um, it, it seemed like you were being more selective just generally at the plate. Oh, yeah. Um, what led into that, and is that something you're going to carry forward just in terms of, like, being more selective? Yeah, when I was coming up, we had this hitting coach uh, named uh, <laughs> Daryl Robinson, and one of his things was we all wanted, like, he always preached be selectively aggressive, and, you know, it's funny how you write things down in a journal and it comes back to you and those are the things that you kind of build your approach around and being selectively aggressive is something that always rings in the back of my head is, you know, obviously you want to get a good pitch, but you want to be aggressive because that's the that's the swing that's going to, you get to do damage on. And uh, yeah, I think it's just an approach. I've just been super simple this year. I don't have a, I don't have a big swing. It's very compact. It's very short. It's very boring as, you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, I get up there and that's my stance. My load is simple, and but you know, I feel like I've been able to stay around the big leagues for as long as I've had is because uh, I just know who I am. And I, I like I said, we talked about trying to do two and finish and add exit velocity, and like yeah, I, I hit a couple home runs, but I also struck out at like a twenty percent clip, and I was like, all right, that's not who I am. So uh, I, at the end of the day, I can, I, I can say I tried. <laughs> so was this an important year for you, just kind of like? get more comfortable with who you are as a hitter who you are as a player would you say yeah and and obviously super blessed that the A's gave me some volume to work with and to be able to mix in with some of these guys and I feel like this year having the year I am I mean you have to manifest all this stuff and put out in the universe and say every year is a big year every year is going to be a good year and I feel like that's kind of what happened and you know I wouldn't mind being an A for a couple more years not gonna lie Last thing I want to ask you about being that we're in Kansas City right now, um, they, the Negro Leagues Museum is here, and I understand you guys went and visited a couple of days ago, a couple of guys from the team. Um, was that the first time that you had been, and what were your sort of impressions of touring? Yeah, that was the first time I'd been, um, and my impressions was, you know, I know that how just what those guys went through to be able to play the game that I love today is they went through a lot, and, you know, I, I went with Chris Davis, Mark Canna, uh, and we also <laughs> we also went with Josh Harrison. So it was a the tour guide was unbelievable. He you know the whole place was shut down. We got like a private tour and um, yeah, you got to go. Were there things that you learned or saw there that that even resonated still today, or you feel like that it was still familiar? I guess in a sense. Yeah, just I mean just the the amount of money that they have. You know, spending one dollar a day, two dollars a day, and getting on a Hank Aaron getting on a train and him cross hitting with his opposite hands when he's hitting and all the stories and it, I feel like I just learned just I think it was just being able to see it visually I'm, I'm a visual learner and just to see it visually is it was eye-opening um you know and like I said you got to definitely pay respects to those guys because I wouldn't be here without them well, when you're in Kansas City next time you gotta you gotta go. check it out you gotta check it out well Tony Kemp thank you so much for taking out the time and for joining yeah. us I really appreciate it yeah I appreciate it our thanks again to Tony Kemp for joining us today on A's Plus. Our producers today were G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman. We'll be back with more soon on A's Plus. Thanks for listening.